Well, good morning, church. Good morning. It's great to be back in Rock Springs with you this morning. And uh, last time I think I came by myself, but it's good to have my wife along again today. And uh, normally she travels with me. I think they were doing a, a weekend women's uh, group last time. But uh, it's a joy to be here and uh, share with you. Sorry that uh, Pastor Michael and uh, Christy are not able to be here, but glad that they're able to have a little bit of time away. And so we're celebrating that. So we're going to pray for them this morning. Let's do that, shall we? So Father, we thank you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for your power at work in our lives. We thank you especially for for Michael and Christy and for Cayman as they're they're out and away from us this weekend, Lord, that you would greatly bless and encourage them, that you would undergird them with wisdom, insight, rest, and refreshment in the time, uh, even with their parents. Holy Spirit, would you give them everything they need in these next days as they share with their, with their family? And we just bless them this morning. We release favor over them safety in every aspect, even in their travel. And we just thank you and ask that you would, in your goodness, provide all that they need in these days. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. 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 Well, continue to pray for your pastor. And uh, that's a key factor. Listen, you you know, sometimes... uh, it's hard to realize how important your prayers are because it seems like a lot of times you pray and, you know, you, things change, but sometimes you don't see those things changing. And uh, you pray for people and sometimes you don't realize that there's anything happening as you pray. But I just want to encourage you today that your prayers are powerful and effective, James says. In the book of James, chapter 5, and he says, listen, your prayers are powerful, they're effective, and it's important to pray for your pastor. I pastored for 47 years, and uh, I guarantee you, without the prayer of the people, it is not only uphill, it is nearly impossible. Because you're dealing with so many things beyond just, it's not business as usual, ever. But, yeah. Anyhow, I, I better get to the message. I'll, I'll be off in the weeds here pretty quick. All right, so we're, we're just delighted that you're here and uh, that I have the privilege of sharing with you. I'm going to talk a little bit about this aspect of partnering together or coming together to build the church of God. And uh, Pastor Steve just talked about the aspect of, of the church being the word ecclesia. And it's a gathering. It's, it's a gathering together. It's, a, it's that part of the believers coming into one accord, into in a sense of unity. And understand, let me just say it this way, unity is not unanimity. All right? Because sometimes people think of unity and they think, well, that means we have to all agree. Well, listen, I don't even agree with myself sometimes. So it's not about having to agree with everything. It is about coming into agreement in the sense that who Christ is and what he's doing. It is that agreement. 
And there is the agreement of, of coming into what Christ is doing in his church, what he's building. And when we talk about church, it's not a building. It's the people of God. It's a gathering of the saints. And so we're going to look at Ephesians this morning and uh, spend quite a bit of time there and also Psalm 133. But I'm going to start here. I got to grab some glasses. I guess I better figure out how to read this. So we're going to start here in Ephesians chapter 3 verse 6. And here's what it says. It says the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body. They are members together and partners or partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now, we just sang a song about all the promises of God are? Yes. And the amen is spoken by us for the glory of God. So we get to partner with him. You see, prayer is a partnership. Walking with Jesus Christ is a partnership. It is, it is something that he's invited us into. And I don't have time to go into the great invitation. But I'll guarantee you that Christ, everything that the church is, is a divine invitation into something that is greater and beyond what we normally live in in this world. He wants to take us into a place of where we begin to affect the world instead of being affected by the world. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, you guys remember, if you've been around when I preach, you, you can talk. I, I need a little feedback. I need a little help. You've got to help this boy. Okay? And, um, and so he goes on in, in verse 10 there, and he says this, So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. In other words, the manifold wisdom of God, that's a multifaceted, some of the translations will say the multifaceted wisdom of God. You know, if you go out here and, and uh, you're looking at a particular area, maybe you're looking at the sunset in the evening or the sunrise in the morning, and there's three or three of you, every one of you is seeing something different as you look at that. You're not seeing exactly the same thing. You see something different and it's unique, but as you share together, it's a blending of that, what you're seeing, and it gives you a bigger picture than just your view of it. And so here it's the multifaceted wisdom of God is that it's, it's so amazing. Every one of us is going to see something a little different. But as we bring that which we're seeing together, it helps us see a bigger picture than we can see by ourselves. And that's really what the church is. He goes on there and says in verse 20, and uh, this will be familiar for many of you, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly. Some say exceedingly abundantly. Far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work in... Oh, you got to help me. According to the work or the power at work in us. Oh, yeah. You guys did really good on that song, Amen. You're going to have to help me now. You see, you got, we got to get this thing back up here. You see, it's at work in us. It's 
Christ's spirit, his, his spirit in us, that's doing a work, it's releasing power of God into what God's invading in the earth. So he says, listen, it's a work within us. To him be the glory in the church. Thank you. Come on, you guys got to catch up here a little bit. To him be glory in the church. In the church. You see, Jesus wants to build his church. He said, I will build it and hell cannot prevail, cannot withstand. Hallelujah. Woo! See, now sometimes we think hell is, is always pressing us. No, 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 no. Gates don't walk. That's right. <laughs> you understand? Gates don't walk. He says, listen, no. The gates of hell will not withstand the church. In other words, we're invading, folks. Don't, don't, we're not polishing brass on a sinking ship. This thing is moving. This thing is, listen, this is not a cruise liner, you know, that you're just out in your lawn chair sipping on lemonade and, and iced tea. No, this is a battleship. Throw the chairs overboard and get hold of something that's going to invade. That's right. See, the church is invading. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> All right. So here's what he says, listen, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. That's better. You guys are catching on quick. That's awesome. So (laughs) I had a thought. I better not go there. We won't have time. All right. So I want you to jump back a page. If uh, if you are following along in the scripture, of course, you got it all up here. See, but you. You know, you, you should really bring your Bible in just a pen. Or those of you that have it on your phone, you know, you can mark it in there. And just bring it up so that you can read it during the week, right? Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to go there. And I, I want to pick this up. Because here's the thing. He's building a church. And there's some practical aspects of the church and how it functions that I want to hit today. And I'm going to talk about those. And so uh, hang on. All right? I'm not trying to offend anybody. <laughs> oh, you didn't laugh at that, did you? I really, I am really not trying to offend anybody. I really don't want to make any more work for Pastor Michael when he gets home. You know, you know, because I remember as a pastor, I pastored all these years, and now my son's pastoring the church. But um, you know, we'd have a special speaker come in, and he'd blow things up, and then he'd blow out. You know, well, hopefully we won't do that, you know. But here it is. It says, when the Messiah comes, he proclaimed good news of peace to those who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access by one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. Members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as a cornerstone. The whole building being put together by him grows into, and that's a key word, mark it, grows into a holy sanctuary in the Lord. You are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. So, now... 
I want to talk about this aspect of being built upon. And uh, the first thing that, that is important to realize is that he says, listen, you're built on something. It's not just that you are hanging out there. You're built on something. All right? So now we got a little picture here, and I'm going to, we're going to talk about this and explain it a little bit more. But it starts here by saying, Christ is the cornerstone. Right? He is a cornerstone. Everything functions from him. Now let me just tell you, when we think of authority, many times, especially in the work, work world, and many times even in the church, we tend to think of authority being at the top and flowing down. You ever seen one of those charts? Okay, this guy's in charge, and everybody else underneath him has to submit to this guy, right? I mean, that, or this woman, doesn't matter. And so here it is, it's like there at the top, authority flows down. But in the, in the church, see, Jesus said that's not the way it functions in the church. It's not like that among you. You don't walk on each other trying to get to the top. You have to understand that we're building from the bottom up. you never seen a foundation at the top of the building, have you? I, when I was in Gillette, I, I poured foundations for three years. Still have done several and uh, through the years. And, and I've never seen a foundation at the top of the building. Never seen one. In fact, you know where the foundation is, right? At the bottom, it's in the ground. See, you dig a hole and put the foundation in. <laughs> well, here's the, here's the thing that's interesting about that is that if the bigger the building, the deeper the hole. See, and now sometimes people think, well, you know, these leaders, they, they think there's something big, big shot. Paul says this <clears throat> about his apostleship. He says, listen, I'm at the back of the pack. I'm bringing up the rear back there where, you know, after all the horses and camels and everything else went through and you're walking in, you know. Listen, listen, Paul, Paul said that's, that's where I'm coming from. See, because Paul's laying his life down for something. And so when he says here, when, when Paul writes, he says, listen, the foundation of what Christ is building is in the ground. It's, it's down here. It's on Christ, the cornerstone. And you see, we're building something up. So, see, the foundation speaks of something that you build on. You don't build down. You build Let's say it again. You don't build down, you build. You build. You build. You hearing yourself? See, here's what it says in prophecy, concerning prophecy in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2, or 33, verse 3. Uh, it says, listen, prophecy is to build, to comfort, and to encourage. You see, the church is all about building up. See? And so even with this picture, you see, you have 
all these gifts, and we'll look at those in a little bit, but all these gifts he talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, at the end of, of chapter 12, but he has miracles and elders and evangelists and, and seers and healers and speaking of the prophetic there and helps and pastoral and administrators and servants, that's deacons in some terms, preachers or pastors. Now listen, he, all those people are in the base of what God's building. They're not up here telling us everybody what to do. They are, they are helping you get where you can't get to by yourself. <laughs> uh, you didn't hear me. You see, pastors, leaders, apostles, prophets, some people say, well, they passed away. I don't have time to go into all that. I'm just telling you, I doubt it. Because here's the thing, he's building, he's building his church on a foundation. <laughs> and if they don't exist anymore, we got problems. <laughs> so, so he's building his church on a foundation. And he's a cornerstone of this thing, and he's building it up, and he's saying, listen, I'm taking you where you can't get to by yourself. I'm helping you to help others to fit as living stones into a wall, Peter says, that, that you would be able to encourage and support each other. Okay? So, all your giftings, all the things that God's downloaded into you, he's helping you to put them out here. Okay? So it's an interesting building. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's really big because here's the thing. Christ never ends. Right? Christ never ends. So he's a cornerstone. So it doesn't matter where you're at in the earth. That building, that cornerstone is running through. And there are leaders being built on him. And then the church is being built on him beyond that. Now here's the thing. So we talk about authority, and, and I mentioned that many think that authority is here, and it flows down. And you have to come in under that, and, and some people, you know, that are, are much more talented, much more able, gifted, than even that point leader. I don't know if you've ever worked a job where it's like you knew more than the guy that was in charge. And that's not a put down, it's just the reality. They're, I mean, you really were more experienced than what they, what they are, you know. And, and so it, and it gets frustrating when you're trying to work that way because, you know, they're trying to tell you here, but it's like I'm in the field, I've been doing this for 15 years and this is the way it's going to have to happen. And there's some frustration there and sometimes that frustration causes us to break out. Unfortunately, that's true in the church too. If we have this aspect, that authority flows top down, and we come in and there's things that, that God's put in our heart to do, it's hard for us to, to step out there if we're trying to stay under something. All right? Now hang on with me. <laughs> I, I promised pastor that I wouldn't blow this thing up around here. But you see, if, if we're being built up, 
We're being built on, as it were, a foundation that's solid. And see, leaders are helping us find our gift. They're helping us to engage with other people. They're helping us to begin to use that gift and encourage others and bless others and serve others. Because you see, the body of Christ is not about just us being able to go to heaven. It's about the church. It's about the body functioning together, working as one, which is Christ. Okay? And so, now, we're going we're gonna to go on here. Let me, let me just say this. So, the authority should always build up. Authority should always be helping you up. Encouraging, hey, you know what, have you thought about this? Or, or you know what, it'd be really good if you were in this Bible study and, and would grow in this area because I believe God is stirring that in you. And if you'll grow in that, it's, it'll help you develop to where you can begin to walk with others and bring them along as well. And you see, so that authority should always be urging you forward, urging you up. And as that happens, well, then there's the next thing that comes about. And here's, here's the interesting thing. So the second thing I want to talk about is being built together. And then this verse, he says down here, he says, The whole building is being put together by Christ, and it grows into a holy sanctuary in the Lord, so you are being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. So you're being built together. So there's built upon and there's built together. All right? <laughs> you ever notice how God puts you next to some people that uh, rub you? <laughs> and cause a little friction? You ever, you ever had that happen where you just had a little friction <laughs> and it warmed things up, right? Friction warms things up, <laughs> right? It's called being built together, okay? So I want us to go to, uh, because this whole thing of, you know, of unity, and we're going to look at that in just a minute, but, but being built together it means that we have to figure out how to live together, how to serve together, how to walk together. <laughs> we, have to, we have to begin to figure that out. Well, that's part of what being built on a solid foundation helps us do because, because there's going to be some things that don't feel like they fit and, and it's going to rub us and there's going to cause friction. And, and the tendency in much of the church is, if I get a little friction, you know what? I'm out the door. If I don't agree with what was said Sunday morning, I'm out the door. And we're free to do that. I mean, nobody's, you know, this, this is not a uh, sign up, you're in, recruited in and uh, you can't get away, right? I mean, hey, there's freedom. In the life of the church, the ecclesia, if you want to walk, you can walk. Amen. But the reality is this. That's not how Jesus intended it. Right. 
He didn't intend for there to be a little friction in you walk. He intended for there to be a little friction to fit you together. See? He, he intended that there's going to be a little rub in order to shave off some of those rough spots <laughs> and join you together for his purpose. All right? That was resounding, that amen that I just heard. <laughs> Listen. Unity always draws God's blessing. Wherever there is unity, wherever there is harmony, it always draws God's blessing. It brings, it, it invites. We've been invited in to partner with Him. And He, when we worship in unity, when we cooperate, when we walk together, even with a little friction, you see? Because there's something about heat that create a stronger bond. See? We're coming up on some fall weather right now. Well, listen, pretty quick, we'll start putting a little calcium in the cement so that it generates a little more heat so that it cures better, harder. See? And so sometimes there's little things that create heat cause the bonding to be stronger. So, I want to read uh, Psalm 133 for us, okay? And here it is, <coughs> NLT says this, How wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live together in harmony. Different translations will say how, how good and how pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. All right? For harmony or unity is as precious as the anointing oil that was poured out on Aaron's head and ran down on his beard onto the border of his robe. Harmony or unity is as refreshing as the dew from Mount Hermon that falls on the mountains of Zion. And there, say there. there. Say it with an attitude. There. There. The Lord has promised or commands a blessing, even life forevermore. <clears throat> there, God commands blessing. Say it with me. There, God commands blessing. That's right. Now, here's the thing that's so exciting. He says it's precious. It's like the anointing oil. When there's unity, when we're built together, when the church is functioning as Christ intended it, on the foundation of leaders, see, on that authority that he has put in them. And, and I could go on, you know, he says, all authority is given unto me, Jesus said in Matthew 28. All authority is mine. But in Luke 10... 21, I believe, or something like that. He said, listen, I've given you all authority over all the power of the enemy. Now listen, we're not compared to Jesus. We don't have the same authority Jesus has. But he gives us his authority, delegated authority, to operate and overcome every work of darkness. And that comes through the church. Comes through the church. As you are in unity in the church, you understand you have a greater support 
than being out there by yourself. There's something greater that will support you than being by yourself out there. And so here he's talking about, listen, this unity is like the anointing oil. And it was precious. It was, it was a big deal. The anointing oil was. Now, I want to, we're going to jump on and, and I'm, I'm going to run into this a little bit. But here's the thing. The anointing flowed from what? The top down. Yeah. Anointing always flows top down. Authority is what? Bottom up. Builds up. Anointing flows top down. See, it's poured out on the head, it runs down on the beard, onto his shoulders, down to his feet. The anointing oil flows down. And so we're going to look at this from 1 John. I'm kind of running here a little bit. You hanging in? Woo! Yeah, these guys are awesome. All right, so here's what it says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 20. It says, every one of us have an anointing. All right, everybody has an anointing. Here's what it says. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And this is in the, uh, in the Holman Christian. You have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you have knowledge. I have not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and because no lie comes from the truth. Okay? No lie comes from the truth. All right, we'll just go right on. Yeah. So let me just read it on. Who is a liar? Well, we know who a liar is, right? John 8 says, the devil is a liar. His native language is a lie. He is no truth in him. He's been a liar from the beginning, and he's a father of lies. All right, is there any question about who that is? No. All right. So he says, who is a liar? Well, if not the one who denies that Jesus is a Messiah. Well, that's exactly what Satan has done. But anytime we agree with a lie, we empower that lie. I talked about that last time I was here, a few months ago. Listen, you agree with a lie, you empower the lie. Well, he goes on here, he says, listen, if we deny that Jesus is the Christ or the anointed one, then we believe a lie. This one is an antichrist. And the one who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Father or the Son can have the Father. He who confesses the Son has the Father as well. What you have heard from the beginning must remain in you. If what you have heard from the beginning remains in you, then you will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He Himself made to us eternal life. Now, I've written these things to you about those who are trying to deceive you. Now, understand this. Let me just interject this. There's a, there is a group going around at the time that Paul was writing this called the Gnostics. Gnosticism. And it basically believed this, that everything material was evil, everything, and that God was secondary, and there was still a higher, mysterious God that was beyond God and Jesus. And so it multiplied gods. There's similar things out there today. 
but the Gnostics. And so, he, and they would say this, okay, we need to come and, and teach you. We need to give you some instruction. We need to help you understand this because you don't see it clearly yet. And, and so here's what John is writing. He's saying, listen, you don't need somebody else to teach you. Now, in the New Living, it says you have the Holy Spirit. For the word anointing, it says you have the Holy Spirit in you. And you don't need somebody else to teach you. Now, some people today take that as I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be part of the church. I don't need anybody to teach me because I have Jesus, the Holy Spirit. John's writing concerning the Gnostics saying, no, you, you've believed in Christ to begin with. You don't need somebody coming in and teaching you that there's another God at a greater level than what Jesus is. Because you've already received Christ and now you have the Holy Spirit living in you and the Holy Spirit is going to guide you, direct you. He's going to lead you into all truth, Jesus said. Holy Spirit will lead you into truth. He is truth. And all John's saying is, when you receive Christ, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You have an anointing. That's right. That anointing of the Holy Spirit isn't going to weigh, going away. It remains in you. That anointing. 1 John 2, 27. So, because the anointing remains in you, and you have an anointing as a believer. Now, if you've never trusted Christ yet... That's still available for you to come to Jesus. And as you do, as you trust Christ, as you receive him, as you let him be Lord, with Christ, there's an anointing. The Holy Spirit comes into our lives and begins to transform and change us from what we were to who God says we are. Hallelujah. Good news. So you have an anointing. But there's also an anointing for a church. There's an anointing for every local church in this town that's preaching the gospel. There's an anointing for that church. And the senior leader will carry the anointing for that church. He has an anointing. Not only his own, but he carries an anointing for the body. All right? Now that anointing is flowing from the top down. So here's the key element that I want to help you with. When we talk about building together, when we're talking about coming into unity or functioning in harmony so that there's not discord, people aren't looking for something that, that is on their opinion, but they're in the truth. Everybody's got opinions. <laughs> Some of us have lots of them. Everybody's got expectations of what the church should be, or what marriage should be, or what my job should be. We all have expectations. <clears throat> you have to be careful that expectations don't pull you out of the harmony that God has for you. So here's the key as we close up here. I want, I want to help you understand that, listen, Jesus wants to bring about a unity, an agreement where there's an exponential release. Ordinary faith has a certain call in the city to influence certain areas. You have, a, you have a mission as a people, as a church in Rock Springs. 
And that burden, that vision is on Pastor Michael. He carries that. Him and Christy carry that. And of course, with the other leaders, with Steve and Becky and others that are part of their leadership team, they carry a vision of what God wants to do through this church. Now, as you come in, you have an anointing, right? Isn't that what we just read? Every one of you in Christ have an anointing. You have the Holy Spirit in you. And as you bring your anointing, your giftings, your, your gifts and, and callings, <coughs> excuse me, as you bring that into this church, into this body, and you come in agreement together with what the call of the church is, as you come into that here, hang on with me. As you come into that, as you, so now, all of a sudden, now let me go back to this. Here's the anointing point, and it flows down over all the way to the feet, right? We are called the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. So this anointing is coming down over us. And as you bring your anointing and gifting and calling under the anointing of this church, under the anointing of your senior pastor, as you bring that in, there's an exponential release that happens. There's something that you'll begin to do things that you would have never done by yourself. Even as a believer. All of a sudden, there's something that stirs up in you. You get bold. You get taught on how to do this. And all of a sudden, there's something that builds in you that you begin to do things within the life of the church that is exponential. And there's lives that are being affected that you don't even realize. It's amazing. And so, here's the thing. See, authority, you're not being forced to do these things because authority authority builds up come on but anointing flows down and so as you bring your anointing gifts and callings in and you cooperate with the body and you're built together even in the midst of some friction and difficulties there's a cementing that God's doing to bring about an exponential release out from this body into this community, and all of a sudden it's like, it's not so that they say, oh wow, in the ordinary faith, something awesome. Well, no, it's about the body of Christ, the church being established. See, we want to pray that for every church that's preaching the gospel in town. We should be praying for every church where the gospel is going forth. Why? Because you can't do it all here. Ordinary faith isn't going to do everything. But listen, you need to do your part as a church. And so your pastor has a great vision for this town. He has a vision for seeing ordinary people serving and walking with an extraordinary God. And seeing their lives so affecting change in the lives around them that there are literally hundreds of people affected. And so, as we talk about this, this aspect, we'll go to that final picture as we wrap up here. Um, 
So here's the thing, the anointing always flows down, and so that anointing on the senior leader brings a release, a supernatural release for all those who bring their anointing in, and out from that flows incredible things. Your gifts are going to be accentuated as you submit your anointing in the house. It's going to be exciting. Some people say, well, I don't know if I like that idea of being submitted. Well, it says, submit yourself therefore unto God so that you can resist the devil. And then he says in Ephesians chapter 5, he says, submitting one to another out of reverence for Christ, submitting one to another. And so, let me just urge you, even as we are about to take communion together, let me urge you that in doing so, we are recognizing the body that Jesus Christ had broken. His body was broken. You understand? To defeat and break the power of sin, the nature of sin, his body was broken. And then he shed his blood so that you and I would have forgiveness of sin. And so there's something about the elements of communion that that we share as a body, as the church, that literally brings us into freedom. We sang about it earlier. Freedom from addictions. Freedom from sin. Freedom from old patterns, old lifestyles and habits. Freedom from that. Freedom to restore our marriage, freedom to restore our family. It brings us into something that is beyond where we had been. And let me encourage you that as we take communion, we're not looking back at all our failures in our past because Paul says, forgetting that, I press forward to take hold of everything that Christ took hold of for me. And so today I urge you that you build your life, your family on the foundation of Christ and godly leaders. That you build on that. It's a safe place. It's a good place. And that you bring your anointing and submit yourself in the leadership of a local body so that you will begin to produce something that is glorious and off, amazing and often overlooked that God wants to bring about in you. So, if you have your cups there, we're going to share that together. And if you... Uh, some people are better at this than I am. Of course, you've got to peel off that little piece on the top in order to get the bread. One thing about it, when I have to do it too, it gives you time to get it done. As I mentioned, here's the thing about communion. There's healing 
through the blood and body of Christ. There's freedom through the body and blood of Christ. The body that was broken for you and I broke the power of sin. All of death was sucked into Jesus' body when he died on the cross. When he said it's finished. Understand this morning, it's serious, absolutely, but it's not just serious, it's celebrative. It's celebrative because Jesus Christ has done this. So I invite you, if you are a believer in Christ, you've trusted him, he's forgiven you, that you would partake of the element. And so we receive the bread with thanksgiving and celebration this morning in Jesus' name. Jesus took the cup after supper and said, This is a new testament. This is a new covenant in my blood. And he says, As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you show forth my life and death till I come. And he is coming for his church. A bride. Beautiful. Built on foundation. And built together in unity, to see the purposes of God invade the earth. In Jesus' name, take and drink. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you have loved us with an everlasting love, that you have not only forgiven us, but that you've given us life. And you have called us into a body, into your ecclesia, to participate with one another in harmony and to be built together as your body that literally brings forth a family that is amazing in the earth. And so, Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for this church. I thank you for this people, for this family that you are raising up for such a time as this. I thank you for their gifts and callings. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are anointing them to literally have great influence in Rock Springs and this surrounding area, all of the southwestern area of this state. We thank you for it. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. With an attitude? Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Let's sing.